Good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing amazing, and I'm sending my prayers your way, wishing you, your family, your friends, and everybody you love all of the best. We've got an absolutely incredible episode of the show for you today. We have Dr. Carolyn Curley on, and we are talking about your guidance groove and tapping into your inner wisdom. This is a phenomenal show. We talk about following one's authentic path, uh, listening to our intuition, the role of logic, uh, integrating logic and feeling together for purpose. We talk about personal choices and authenticity, uh, discarding untrue narratives, the value of failure and authentic flow, understanding God's business, and so much more. We talk about the ego. These are just a fraction of the show notes I'm going through here. This is a phenomenal episode. There's a ton of value here. I hope that you enjoy it. And if you do, please share it far and wide. Leave us a review on iTunes. It really, if you hear these words, please take a moment to leave a review because they help so much. Um, you could also become a member at mattbelair.com to get exclusive content, training, meditations, and all kinds of great stuff over there for free or by donation. If you want to uh, support the show, it's totally up to you. And the best way to support the show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. So that's it, guys. Thank you so much for being here. I sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, faith, inspiration, courage, and get ready to enjoy this phenomenal episode with Dr. Carolyn Curley. Hello and welcome to the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a biology professor at the University of California and the author of numerous scientific research articles and the book, The Guidance Groove, Escape Unproductive Habits, Trust Your Intuition, and Be True. As a scientist, she relies on logical thinking but she also values quieting the mind and fully integrating her feeling intuitive self to navigate the flow of life from a place of wholeness. Her work with students at the university motivated her to create the guidance groove, an accessible manual for connecting with your intuition to increase personal authenticity and contentment. Welcome to the show, Dr. Carolyn Curley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm really yeah. happy to be here. Oh, I think this is going to be awesome. Your mm-hmm. book looks amazing. Um, your research looks very fascinating. And um, <laughs> we had a nice little discussion before we started about how you like merging both worlds, going into the mystical, you know, into the self, and then also bring it back to the practical part. And um, yeah. that for me is something that I could definitely use more of, you know, I'm very out of the box, big picture thinking, but bringing it practical, logical is something that I really have to strive for. So I think this is going to be a great show. And I'd love for you to just introduce yourself and uh, give the audience a little bit about your background and your work. Sounds good. Before my brain forgets what you just said about the practical is one of my favorite quotes from a a Zen teacher, Adi Ashanti. It was, um, you know, just being in this world as a an aware being that's where the spiritual rubber hits the road is not being on a mountaintop somewhere. That's wonderful as well. But if you're living your life in just a a regular day to day way and being aware as you live it, that's the, that's the practical, the spiritual rubber meeting the road, the practical meeting, the, the Zen. But anyway, yes. So my name's Carolyn and I 
have a PhD in ecology and evolutionary biology from UC Santa Cruz, and I've been a professor at UC San Diego for some time now. And the research we do in my lab focuses on conservation biology. So we study what animals eat, where they spend their time, so we can inform better conservation and management strategies for animals and habitats. And and I teach a marine comm bio class. I just gave my last lecture today for the quarter. The quarter's over. And then um, I teach an introduction to ecology and evolution also every year. And then I have this book that I wrote and I just started teaching it last summer as a seminar through the biology department. And um, I'm teaching it again this summer. And it's working with my students and hearing over and over again how they were stuck in these stories that society had programmed them to believe, that their parents had programmed them to believe, that they had bought into since they were really small, that that were basically leading them astray. All of those thoughts that turn around in our heads that constantly lie to us, basically, those were influencing their decisions in a way that they were forgetting about the natural, intuitive guidance that we all have access to and that we all are gifted with. And I don't talk to the, and and I was constantly trying to point them in that direction. Like what, forget about your brain for a minute. Forget about what your parents are telling you. What does it feel like when you picture moving ahead, going to medical school versus something else that may seem quote unquote frivolous, you know? So I, so I invited, I would invite them to feel what, what their decisions would, but the outcome of their decisions would feel like, and that almost always clarified for them what they should do next or how they should change their path as, as they're moving through school. And then at some point I was like, you know, I'm giving the same advice. What would happen if I just let that wisdom move through me onto actual paper and make a book, right? And so, so I have this book now with, with the guidance group, with all of this information in it that I can give students and that we can talk about it and that we can teach. And it was basically, again, me getting out of the way of my thoughts and and letting come through me what needed to come through for for these for these people and for for everyone like how do we quiet our minds how do we get in touch with the thing that's true that allows us to follow the flow of our life rather than thinking we can control our decisions the outcome the flow of our life does does that make sense and so that's sort of my background and then integrating those two worlds the practical science world the logical thinking that goes into asking scientific questions and collecting data and analyzing those data and telling a story, that logical part with this part that's not, it's not tangible. We can't define it. We can point to it. We can point, where does guidance come from? Is it spiritual? Is it something innate evolutionarily? Is it, what is that? We don't know. All we know is it exists because we're constantly talking about it. You know, feel the force, Luke. Um, Make the do the next right thing. And you have a daughter. I'm sure you've seen the Frozen movies. In the second <laughs> Frozen movie, when Anna thinks her sister's dead and she's singing to herself, you know, hear the voice, make the choice, do the next right thing. That is guidance, right? It's everywhere. We just saw the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie. My 16-year-old son and I went to see it. Rocket talks about it. I mean, it's everywhere, right? The Anyway, so I just wanted people to have a resource to give them permission to quiet their mind and feel into what's actually true for them. And there is some science behind it. When you are authentic, you are happier. There's lots of psychological science backing up this idea that when you are true, 
to the flow of life, to whatever is your most authentic self, you will experience more contentment and ease and happy just, just naturally. And it's not to say that finding your guidance groove is a self-improvement perfection plan. It's just an invitation to check in with the rest of yourself and, and listen to that guidance. And, and so anyway, that's where I'm coming from is this sort of integration of not, you can't leave your logic by the door or your, you can't stop your thoughts, but you can question them and maybe believe them for five seconds instead of five days or five hours or five months. So hopefully that makes sense. That sort of little, that roundabout investigation and background into what I, what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Well, it really comes down to just learning to look within, finding your own answers, right? Being your own master. So my background in martial arts, right? Teaches you that it's like, you need to be your own master and it's great to have mentors. And you're also speaking about um, looking at your beliefs and investigating them. Why do I believe this? Does this serve me? Is there a way that I can upgrade this thought pattern? And in your book, you laid it out really well. And I, I would love for you to talk about uh, um, productivity because I feel like um, in our world, what happens is we get programmed and we and we go on default. And I think the programming, it comes from our parents. We want to learn and respect our parents, um, but it also comes from TV and society, which they might not have your best interest for, me, for you. And then even university has, you know, it's good, but it also has the influences of other people, other cultures, other teachers, and that's fine and well and good. However, you always have to be your own master and it might work for one person, but it might not work for you, or it might not be right for you, but it, it can be right for someone else. And for you to know that and investigate that, and it's very important when you're working with young people who want to build a great life to try to steer them in a track where they're aligned. And I remember when I went through my process, it was more about what was the most amount of money that I can make with a job that I didn't hate, right? Yes. I had nothing, you know, nobody really taught me to explore the things that I uh, really loved. And I ended up doing it myself and doing my own personal reflection and kind of making my own path. However, this wasn't taught and it's not common. And I'm, me and maybe another friend of the only ones who kind of built our own pathway. Absolutely. What you're saying is you just said all, all of the things, right? So <laughs> first of all, I'll go back to what you said about unproductive grooves. So I don't view the world as good or bad. I view everything as what is. And in my experience, what is, is the best and highest good because otherwise it wouldn't be happening, right? And so I didn't want to call the programmed behavior bad. So what I did was I called, we have our guidance groove where we're grooving away to our own guidance and our awesome, you know, inner wisdom. And then we have unproductive grooves that, that don't allow us to be the most we can be as humans, as, you know, as light filled, spirit filled beings on the planet, right? So these unproductive grooves hold us in place and they trick us into believing false garbage about ourselves, right? And so I've I've labeled four unproductive grooves. There's inadequacy where you believe you are inadequate, you're insecure, and you might be inadequate for a task, but there's so much strength in thinking. I, I use this analogy, my son and I climb and, and do tons of hikes in Mount Rainier every year in Washington state up um, north. And people who like to climb Mount Rainier, you know, they might not be prepared for that. They're inadequate to the task. But when you know that you're truly inadequate, then you just prepare. You get the skills you need, and then you're adequate to the task. If you believe you're inadequate, but you actually have the tools and skills, then you're also telling yourself a false story. 
And, and so you need to recognize, am I truly inadequate to this task? Do I need to learn more? Or is this just bullshit that's tricking me? And what's the fear that's motivating my belief in my inadequacy? And, and then the second one, I talk about obligation. You know, we have a lot of false obligations put on us that we put on ourselves. And when we can recognize that acting from our own benevolent, intentional intentionality, and in an authentic way, that's not selfish. You, you, you. If if you can escape your false obligations, like my parents expect me to go to med school, my parents expect me to do this or that. That's a false obligation. And what? Where does that false obligation from come from? Again, it's fear. It's fear and and ego driven. And then the third one is scarcity. We get tricked into believing resources are scarce all the time. There's, I'm never going to get into a good college. I won't have a good job because there's only seven jobs and I'm not going to get the one. I'm not going to get a good house or whatever it is. We get tricked into not recognizing how much abundance we actually have. So we have these false beliefs in scarcity that then guide us to make decisions that aren't authentic. They're driven by a fear of scarcity. And then the last one is um, maybe the most painful, it was the most painful chapter to write, but the belief that one is actually un worthy, unworthy of the basics like love and goodness. And there's a lot that can set us up in childhood for believing we are unworthy. And it's all of these unproductive grooves. I simply present them with lots of examples of how they manifest in our daily life, just as an invitation for everyone to take a moment and recognize themselves in these false stories. And then they can start to question the stories and find their inception, go deep and like root those things out and get rid of those stories and, and, and address those fears. And I invite people to love the fear because the fear is your little guidepost to go forward. (laughs) If you're feeling scared, that means that it's something that requires your investigation. And it's a, it's a wonderful little friend to help you realize it's like pain when you're training, right? I train all the time. That's my meditation is cycling and rowing and hiking and walking. And when I'm training, I have to pay attention. If my body's talking to me, I got to pay attention, right? It's, it's the same with fear. I've got to pay attention. What is the, what is my attention being called to that I can investigate and root out And so all of those unproductive grooves, I simply present them so people can then recognize themselves, discard them, and get in touch with their guidance groove, which is that source of wisdom. Again, who knows where it comes from? I have my ideas of where it comes from. It could be God. It could be my own spirit. The way I view God is God is in every single thing that exists that's alive. And it's just this beautiful light that emanates from everything, everyone all the time. It just manifests as different things. The plant in my corner over there manifests as my garden. It manifests as me, as you, as the people walking by, as my students, as the trees, whatever. And there's something in that wisdom, that light, that spirit, whatever it is that can guide us when we let those false stories that we're programmed with kind of just quiet down. And then one other thing I wanted wanted to follow up, you said something about about um, programming. And one of the most amazing ways to step out of societal programming and be radical and be 
um, a force in the world is to recognize that you've been programmed <laughs> and quiet that and then be your authentic self as you move through the world. There's almost nothing more radical than being your authentic, unapologetic, unadorned, fearless self. It's it's amazing. And you can change the world just by doing that. And um, to me, that's radical and amazing. And I, that's what I'd like to spread to all those university kids who who feel like they have to get the job that they don't hate, that'll make them the most money, et cetera. Um, help them quiet all that stuff down and go towards what's true. I love that. And I think that those unproductivity grooves are really all encompassing because I'm reminded of Greg Braden's Greg Braden's three universal fears. And the one that you said was the touchiest mm-hmm. is the, um, the, the fear or belief that you're not good enough. And I'm curious in yeah. these unproductive grooves in your book, or when you're working with people is the solution just to become aware of them. And then once you're aware of them, you're kind of, um, functioning as you should. And the way that I kind of see this in, in personal development and in life and in martial arts and in health, especially over the last few years, learning a lot more about health, um, there's germ theory versus terrain theory and terrain theory says that if you take out all the toxins of the body, you know, and the body is doing what it's supposed to, it's going to function normally. And you're going to function as you should, just like a fish in the water, a dolphin, if he's got a net over him or something that's not natural while well, you take that away. And now everything is working as it should. And it feels like um, in the inner world, we have all of these blocks that we haven't really assessed. And when we're young and our minds are forming, we have these beliefs that we set in stone to keep us safe. But as we move through life, we need to evolve those beliefs and see if they still serve us. And so by investigating those and rewriting them, it allows us to naturally experience the intuition and our inner voice and our authentic self, not the new version, right? Oh, I don't feel um, adequate. So now I've got this new version of a new idea. That's the new me, you know, and then you go out and you do like this next version, which is basically repeating the same self. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, I'd be curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's, those are all really good points. So, so I, I just want to reiterate that, um, we are thinking, feeling creatures, right? We're walking around. We're, we're never going to stop our minds. The most clear my mind is, is when I'm biking up the hill in mile like nine of my ride in the, you know, 5.45 in the morning. And I love that feeling, but I still, there's still thoughts, right? There are always going to be thoughts. And that is part of being on this planet, right? Is just, that's how our brains have evolved to, they're constantly thinking and making up stories and stuff. So it's not that you're creating a better you or anything like that. It's simply allowing yourself the permission to question your thoughts. That's the very first step, right? And it's not new. This is in Zen. This is everywhere. This is not a new concept. This is just the concept as it came through Carolyn Curley, right? The guidance group. It's the same thing. Quiet the mind, then go deeper, feel into what's deeper. And for me, so we'll go back to my bicycle. One of my favorite, um, I'm I'm not a meditator. I don't sit and meditate. That's That's never spoken to me. I'm a movement meditator, I guess you would call it. I love to, I loved my body needs to be doing something so that I can really quiet the mind and go where I need to go. And so for example, what I might do is if I have a big decision in front of me, 
And I don't want my logic mind cluttering up my decision-making process or my stories. I'll go for a ride or I'll go I'll row on my machine or go for a walk on the beach. And, and then my mind can quiet and I feel into scenarios. So I, I tell some stories in the book about this and I'll quiet the mind and I'll feel, okay, I have a decision to make. And the story I tell in the book is I was trying to decide if I wanted to speak at my dad's funeral. He died, I'm not from COVID, but during COVID time. So the funeral was quite delayed. And I pictured the scenario of speaking at his funeral versus not speaking at his funeral. And I let everything just arise. And I felt the experience of both of those situations. And it was obvious which one feels better. That can be as simple as as it is, that experience. And so for each decision, large or small, you go through that process. And with practice, it takes a second most of the time. But it might, for bigger decisions, maybe it takes three bike rides for me to figure it out. Maybe it takes half a bike ride and then I can move on to other things. Or maybe it just takes a few moments where I know the decision. It's getting into the practice of not always just going mental when we're faced with choices. And the choices can be tiny. What kind of food do I want for lunch? Am I going to get up and row, cycle, walk? What am I going to do? I frequently have no idea when I wake up what am I going to do this morning? What activity? I know I'm going to move, but then I just listen. I feel, oh God, my body wants to be on the bicycle this morning. My body wants to be on the ergometer or whatever it is. And you can just kind of pause and feel and allow that feeling of intuitive guidance to have as much weight or credit or trust that you give your brain, your thinking self. Does that make sense? Like it's allowing this other part of you to have an equal seat at the table as you live your life and not just letting all the stories you've been programmed with guide you for everything because they will lead you astray. (laughs) And then I'll say one more thing about that you can be a scientist with this. I love data. I'm a huge data fan, right? So start noticing what happens in your life when you quiet those stories, when you when you question them, when you allow yourself to think maybe these aren't true and you go with something you might call a gut feeling or your spidey sense or your intuition and then write down what happened. Did you ignore the spidey sense or did you go for it? You know, and start collecting data on yourself. Make yourself a study. See if you feel more content and more in the flow of your life and that you're not just pushing against things that might not be right for you and collect those data. And then one more thing, just I I really want to underscore that everyone can do this. This is not magic. This is not mystical as far as I know. If you think of a time in your life when you had a big decision and you did experience something like a full body yes or a full body no. When I asked my class this, everyone always has multiple examples of, oh yeah, I've had that experience. That experience is magnified because maybe it was a really big decision. You can have that experience for every single decision in your life. Every single one. You just have to learn to quiet that mind and go into the thinking, the feeling, um, emotional feeling part of your body. And it actually manifests as physicality or it can be a voice. Like when I met my former husband, I walked into the pub that we were meeting through a mutual friend. We were just meeting up as a bunch of friends. I saw him across the room. I actually heard a voice in my head that said, oh shit, your life as you know it is over. 
And I've had, mm-hmm. I've had intuitive guidance that's that clear many, many times. Many other times, it's simply like, how does my internal lake feel? I, I picture myself having a lake inside. Is it smooth or is there ripples? Is there waves? The ripples, the waves, that indicates I need to investigate and pick a different path. The calmness of the lake indicates I'm right on target. But it can be as clear as, oh shit, your life is, you know, it is over, right? And I had the same thing when it was time for us to divorce. And I ha- I always say this, he lives two blocks away. We love each other. He is my family and we just aren't meant to be married. But I had the same guys. I'm riding my bicycle around Australia and I just hear this voice. It's okay for you to leave the marriage now. And, and so sometimes it can be that clear. And other times you have to be a little more of a detective and, and let yourself, let your body act as an antenna to kind of magnify the signal from your intuitive experience. If that makes sense, that was a that was a long answer. <laughs> yeah, answered your question. Yeah, you, you brought up a lot of great points, and I just love that you're suggesting it's a practice to also go within and not just leave every decision to the logical conscious mind, yeah. which is going to give you the answer from past beliefs programming. And Absolutely. the most important thing it's going to do, it's going to give you the answer from a perspective of trying to keep you safe, which is also fear-based. And so um, I remember coaching so many different people and I'd ask them, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? What would you do if you had a million dollars every single day for the rest of your life forever? How would you spend your days? You know, and I would, I would ask a series of similar questions and, you know, it, it became really hard with, especially with one friend of mine who was so logical he couldn't think about it, right? Because he was so analytical, analytically based. And so that's when I kind of came up with a l- little bit of a guided relaxation I call the quantum heart hypnosis. And all it really is, is quieting the conscious mind for a moment to ask the exact same questions to get past that conscious filter, right? They call it the critical factor in hypnosis. And that, and that thing is designed, its number one job is to keep you safe. In order to stay safe, you need, you need to uh, get food, And if you want to get food, you need money. So if I'm asking you, what would you do if you could do anything? Immediately, that critical factor goes, well, I would do this, but I will die because I can't see myself making any money doing this. So, you know, therefore, we're going to we're going to have to modify that answer or we're going to have to ignore it. We're going to have to throw it out the window. And when you when you put that inner world first and you know what your true calling is when you know what you know the right choices are for you in a, in a micro sense and in bigger choices then you use a logical mind to figure that out but i feel like it has to start from your heart from your authentic being um to then use a logical mind after because life i think there's a what's that quote life can be either boring or like a daring adventure or something like that i think that the quote's much better than that but that's essentially what it <laughs> means and then we can really test what we're made of we can put our entire will our entire essence into creating something meaningful to us and i think that's a really beautiful thing and i'm curious in your book you talk about authenticity so how do we get to that place of authenticity and then how do we overcome the fear of it because maybe you're a student and there's something that you really want to do but in your field you can't see how it would make money later so you're fearful of of following your dreams then or you're later in life and you've got this successful job 
and you're providing for your family and you've got the cars in the driveway and vacations. However, your soul is dying and you want to make a shift. And so you're afraid of losing everything you have. How can we merge this world of following our inner voice with the practicality of life and all the demands that brings with it? I just, I love these questions because this is what, this is the spiritual rubber hitting the road, right? Like this is where this is where we have to exist in this world as it is, right? So a couple of things. So you talked about the logic mind. So I I said this before, I love the logic mind. You can use the logical mind to investigate why you are feeling the way you're feeling. So say you have this great job, you're making plenty of money and you have the cars or vacations or whatever you said, but your soul is dying and you're unhappy. So your body, your being, your psyche is telling you something and it's coming up as being unhappy. Maybe you have actual physical ailments that have come up. Um, you have ulcers or whatever, something that's indicating that what is happening for you is not the right thing. So you have these feelings, you're trying to suppress them because you just want to keep going. But what if you just allowed them to come and you just started writing it down? I feel awful when I have to go to work in the morning. When I learn I'm supposed to work with that particular client, I feel dread. When I when I found out that I got into this particular medical school and I was going to be committed there for X number of years, I just felt like I wanted to go back to bed and put the covers over my head. So write these feelings down, pay attention to them. They are your guideposts. That's the first thing. They are your signposts to let you know that you're not on your most authentic path because when you are on your most authentic path, your lake is calm. You're excited to go to work or your client or whatever it is. So then you can use your logic mind to investigate why am I feeling dread when I think of Dr. Smith as my client? Why am I feeling dread? Oh, because I don't like what I'm doing. It's not productive, right? So you can bring your logic in to help you investigate these intuitive feelings that are knocking incessantly at your door. And in my experience, the universe has a way, universe, God, spirit, earth school, whatever you want to call it, has a way of getting you to wake up to these feelings. So it might just be whispering and your lake is just a little bit off. And then it's like, God damn it, she's not paying any attention to me. I'm going to give her some waves. And then you might have to build all the way up to, I always say this, it's kind of gross, but it's really, it really helps me to visualize it. The universe sometimes has to hold our heads in the dog shit, right? It's like, you are not paying attention to me. So now you're really going to go and you're, I'm going to make you smell and see and feel the shit, right? And then sometimes that it takes that much to get us to wake up and pay attention to those signs and signals that we've been getting, write them down, use our logical brains to say, okay, this isn't working. I still need to support my family logically, how can I translate my skills into something that will quiet this dread, that will realign me with my purpose? And that's where your logic comes in. It's so beautiful. Maybe I need to apply for grad school. Well, my logic brain is going to Google grad schools and figure out where I need to go. Or it's going to talk, you know, it's going to research how can I sell my really fancy car and make enough money so I don't have to work for the next, you know, three months so I can figure this out. So does that make sense? You can integrate all this, all this, um, your logic and your feeling. You just have to take those feelings seriously and pay attention to them 
And again, allow them a space at your table, your data table, right? Why would you ignore this huge flow of data? And I tell this great story in my book about, I open my book with a story from my friend, Chris, who's a former Navy SEAL. And he was in charge of like making sure that this compound in the Middle East, that was a US compound, was staying safe on this particular day that they were attacked. And he talks about that day. And I said, well, how did you get through? And he says, well, I just followed my spidey sense. He's a highly trained individual and he just followed his intuition for the whole day and everyone on his team made it out. And then he tells a story about how he met a woman several years ago and his spidey sense again was screaming at him. She's never going to trust you, dude, what are you doing? But of course she was beautiful and had enough money and she was super sexy and all this great stuff. And so he's like, for quiet down, Spidey sense. I'm not, no bombs are being thrown at me. I'm going to go for it. Four years later, they break up. Why? Because she never learned to trust him. So that is a great data point. Write that shit down and be like, okay, I knew that four years ago. So next time, maybe it will take me four months to figure this out and listen. Maybe it will take me four minutes to figure it out and listen. But you're constantly collecting experiences in your life where you can learn to trust that little voice, right? That little, that little voice that's constantly whispering to us and guiding us. We don't have to get our faces dumped in the poo to, to listen. We can listen when it's just a little whisper, when it's just a little nudge. Um, and that's how you get to your authenticity because all the stories, all the programming, that's the survival mechanisms that we have built up over the years based on our parenting and what, what happened to us, whatever it was, there's all these things we build up, but that's not the authentic expression of spirit coming through you. That's not, that's the stories. That's the crud. That's the junk. That's the buildup. That's the false beliefs. And when you can quiet that and allow that amazing spark that is in every single thing that lives and even that used to be alive, it's still there. When you just let the thoughts get out of the way and let that spirit act through your amazing, authentic, unique personality, you're changing the world. You are changing the world because you are living as you were meant to live. You're meant, you're living as if you believe in God, as God wanted you to be on this planet, because you can you can forget all the programming and you can just let flow what is naturally already trying to flow through you at all times. And if you resist it, that's where the misery comes in. That's where the suffering comes in. And I'm not against suffering. People want to suffer. That's great. Like it's, I said, sometimes it takes a lot of suffering to come to these realizations, but you don't have to. You can just you know, you can quiet that part and and not suffer and and just listen to the flow. Does that does that make any sense? And and it's like I, I I empathize with people who do have these practical things. We all have to live. I have to support my son. I have to support myself. I don't have the luxury of of going out and and just you know living on a mountaintop by myself. Nor would I really want to. But um, there are ways that you can integrate practical living and making a living and also being in alignment. It might include living humbly 
maybe you don't get to take a vacation to Aruba or maybe you drive. I mean, I still drive the same car that I got when I was pregnant. I had to get a car with an airbag and sell my truck when I was pregnant. So I have this really old car and there are just choices you can make that allow you to remain more in alignment. And some people aren't willing to make those choices and that's totally fine. You can live your life in that other way. That's totally fine. But if you want to follow that authentic voice, you might have to start making some choices that you don't get to drive the fancy car or have the really fancy vacation. And that's also good too. Either way is good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you brought up a lot of uh, amazing points and I feel like one overarching theme is just the idea that we are not taught and society doesn't really value listening to the inner voice. And they're always trying to condition us through various methods in school. And also, sorry, because I know you teach at university, but in school and and even in religion, they say, well, you know what? That inner voice, you got to go talk to this guy because you need a gatekeeper to God. Oh, well, you need to go talk to this teacher because they know what's best for you. And you have this inner voice, this inner guidance where it's guiding you in a certain direction and you you hit the nail on the head where it comes down to each individual choice. Well, do I want to learn music or do I prefer to do gymnastics or whatever the case is? And well, all the other kids are doing gymnastics. I don't really like it, but I'll be cooler. So I'm going to go do that. Right. So the more you can align with those choices, the more you're going to begin to trust in the process because you'll see it unfold, but you'll be enjoying your experiences more. So whether you fail, quote unquote, at what you think that you are supposed to succeed in, as long as you followed your intuition, there'll be a win or a learning experience in some sort of way that will get you closer to the next thing. And then over time, you're going to experience, I believe, a much deeper sense of fulfillment and a much deeper realization and belief that there is a God. Because I can only say from my life and the friends that I have that have walked a similar path to what I have, where you take these crazy leaps of faith to pursue that inner voice. And it doesn't make any sense. Nobody would do logically is the stupidest thing that you could possibly do. And you do it. And somehow on the other side, it it worked out and something beautiful happened. It's like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he's trying to get to the other side and he has to step. And once he steps, then the bridge appears, not before. And that's how I've seen faith work. But that's your connection and trust in God. Or if you want to put universe, I prefer God, but it's my own personal thing. Um, that something is looking out for you and wants the best for you and is not going to just let you fall in your head. And one thought experiment I like to give to people is that when I'm coaching, I say, okay, would you, let's just say um, you got, you know, 10 years from now, you have everything you've ever wanted. You're a billionaire. You've got planes, you've got everything in the entire world. But what happened is you've lost your eyesight. Would you rather go back to zero now and have those 10 years back and not have the billions of dollars and be able to see the world, to experience the world? What would you do? And they think, and almost the, the thought is pretty quick. And they say, I want the eyesight. Sometimes every now and then someone tries to barter um, or the use of your legs. You've got both, you know, you've got billions of dollars, but you know what? You've lost both your legs. Um, you don't have them anymore. Uh, would you prefer all the money and materialism or would you prefer access to what you're taking for granted now? Almost everybody chooses that. And so it's also the idea that if you take everything away, 
you know, you have the ability and the capability to build yourself from the ground up. And if you have a little bit of work ethic, a little bit of following that intuitive voice, you're going to build yourself into the person that you want to become rather than be even successful in in becoming someone you didn't want to become. And mm-hmm. that's where a lot of people experience the midlife crisis, where they experience sadness, where they experience this inner, like what's something's wrong, something's wrong. Well, what's happened is you've literally killed that inner voice, that inner child, that person that wants to experience life in a beautiful and profound way to build it on their own terms. And you've squashed it completely and you didn't try to merge the two. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, I know I'm kind of going on a rant here, but I think it's important. Mm-hmm. It's like what you just shared about the car example, you know, it's like, okay, well, can I have this Mercedes? Uh, but that's going to mean I work weekends. I work my butt off for absolutely ever. And uh, I never get time for fitness. I never get time for biking. I never get time for martial arts. I never get time for art. I never get time for my kids. Right. Um, those decisions might be right for a period of time where you consciously go, I'm going to work my ass off to provide for my family. No problem. Right. As long as you're engaging with these choices consciously and reflecting from the inner world and what you feel and logically, you're probably going to be more on your authentic path. But if you're just doing it for safety and security and materialism to build up wealth, are you noticing the sacrifice on the other time? Right. Mm -hmm. So I would rather have a crappy car and go to the mountains with all my friends a whole bunch of times than be a multi-billionaire in New York in this some high-rise, you know, <laughs> cell, right? You know, getting a, a Rolls Royce underneath, you know, and then maybe you get the fanciest drinks. Like to me, that's just terrible. I'd rather have like, you know, I don't know, a mobile home in the mountains and go snowboarding with my buddies more often. And so that's a big rant. I'd love for you to just pick it up and say whatever you yeah, want. It's funny. So I just want to say. If you drive a Mercedes and live in a high rise in New York and work for the fanciest financial investment firm, I adore you. Thank you for doing that experience. You are spirit on the planet experiencing what it means to be Gordon Gecko or whatever <laughs> that movie. That is fantastic because spirit needs all the experiences, right? It needs all of the experiences so it can fully be God, right? So every experience is exactly right for every human. It, I'm not questioning anyone's um, anyone's choices or anything like that. Personally, I'm a conservation biologist because I, I wanted a, a different path, right? I wanted to do something, but I, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to say that if you're doing that life, it's bad. It's not, it's, that's a, that's a, that's a human experience that's giving information to the larger consciousness that's valuable in some way, right? It has to be, or else it wouldn't be happening. But then I wanted to go back and talk about failure. I love failure so much because again, it's this, it's this wonderful teacher. So I have this, I, I, felt I was supposed to do marine science from a very young age. And like my father, who's very practical, a wonderful human, he was an engineer. He was like, you'll never have a job in marine biology, not a great thing. And I just thought, no way. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. I had people tell me, you're um, you're too positive. You're too happy. That's never going to cut it in the science world. And I was like, fuck that. I know this is how I'm supposed to be. So I've had lots of practice in in somehow naturally ignoring good advice, quote unquote. 
And, and I, I was getting my PhD at UC Santa Cruz and there's this huge exam you have to take. It's like your four months of studying. And then you have like um, three or four days of written exams. And then it culminates with this four hour block of oral examination by, you know, four or five professors. I did fine on the written part. I completely, utterly failed the oral portion. And this is some, at this juncture, they're supposed to kick you out of PhD programs. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It was like my brain had been scrubbed. I couldn't answer any of the questions. It was the most amazing, fascinating experience I've had. One of the most on the planet. Um, and I've had lots of them. And so they send me out of the room. They come back there. Like, okay, we're going to, we know you. We, we, we've seen you give talks. We know you. We know this can't possibly be right. So go back to the drawing board and you know study for three more months and we'll tr try this again. I ended up passing it. But that experience of failure, there was a huge party planned at my favorite bar with my favorite band. That night, everyone was going to celebrate my success. I walk in and everyone knows I failed. And it was amazing to know I was on the right path and have this huge failure, see that everyone still accepted and loved and encouraged and supported me, even though I had quote unquote failed. And it made, it, it was such a great experience for me for building humility, building empathy, building trust in my guidance, all of those things. So failure is this concept that we've created, right? When, when it doesn't work according to plan, but I don't even, I don't even view it that way. It was a gift. These, these experiences are gifts from God, the universe. I, I just like to be inclusive with my language because I'm always a little up in the air as to what exactly God is or what the universe is, but I know it is. So that's good enough for me. But anyway, I find those to be these lovely little gifts from the universe, like our fears, like our mistakes, like our quote unquote failures. All of those things are little gifts to help us be more in tune with what is and be more trusting. You talked about building that trust. This whole process of writing a book and basically coming out of hiding to my to anyone that I live this kind of life was a giant exercise in trust for me. And I like to view almost every minute of every single day as a trust fall. I'm constantly trust falling into the next, into the next, right? And with this book process, I didn't know anything about it. And I just would, I wouldn't know any of the map until right, like you said, when Indiana Jones is about to step, I would step and the map would, the next step of the map would appear in front of me. And then the next step. And it was just a wonderful exercise in trusting, Carolyn, you're supposed to write this. Why? I have a job. I don't need to tell people that I think this way. This is really weird. Why am I having to do this? but it wouldn't leave me be. It was trust. You must write this down. Okay. Well, I'm just going to write it and quietly slip it on Amazon. Nope. <laughs> I was not allowed to do that. I had to buy, I had to pay up a publicity company to do things like this that we're doing and talk on a bunch of podcasts and publicize the book. And, and I kept thinking, do I really have to do this? Yes. Like the guidance was so strong. It leaves you no choice when you live this way. And you are in touch with your authentic flow, you have no choice because to in, ignore the guidance is to be miserable. Even if you ignore it the tiniest bit, you're just like, that's so small. I don't really need to pay attention to that. 
you you can't. You absolutely can't. And I I I trust that you know this experience, Matt, because I I've listened to enough of your podcasts to I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you are in this way of being, it's impossible not to. Does that make sense? And and when you when you try to choose away from your alignment, you may get away with it for a little while, but it's it's gonna drag you back and it's going to demand your attention at some point. And for me, it usually is a pretty quick, like minute. Sometimes it takes a few days if I realize I've quote unquote missed the mark, but um, that's the beauty of a process where there is no perfection. You can always, always go back and feel into your guidance and write down what you learned from when you missed the mark and why it didn't feel right and try again, right? Um I think that's that's pretty much what I was like kind of scribbling down <laughs> as you were talking. So hopefully that sort of dovetails with what you were saying. Yeah. Well, I love the end of that. I love the whole thing. And the end of it where you said you can try again, one of my new things I've been saying on the podcast all the time, if you're up to date on these is it's okay to make mistakes. I just love that. And my friend Brian's always saying that. And it's something I never really heard of commonly in personal development is I, you know, we talk about failure, but it's like, it's okay to make mistakes. You just try again. And when you recognize how many successful people got there by just never giving up, you only fail when you stop. So everything else before that is a quote unquote mistake or failure. So you kind of keep going and we can learn to be a little bit easier on ourselves. And the, you know, with the um, New York comments, funny because that to me is like my, (laughs) my, um, my option of like what the opposite of me being in alignment is, you know what I yes, mean? To pursue me too. Material, materialism only. However, yeah. there is the idea and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it of the book, the way of the peaceful warrior where Socrates, the main character is a gas station attendant. And the idea is that it, no matter where you are, just knowing what you're doing for why you're doing it, you know, your own reasons. And if you feel out of alignment, that's it. It it could be right for you for that day, for that year, for that 10 years. Um, But if something's speaking to you, it's learning to honor that voice. And if that feels right to you, whatever it is, go for it. That's the thing, but only you know what that is. Right. And I do think that I caution people to choose, you know, if they pursue only materialism, only safety, uh, because if you look at any spiritual teaching and any most spiritual books, they'll say, if you're just looking for materialism, you're probably not going to experience deep fulfillment. And if you study people who have um, on their deathbed, right, they look at the regrets in their life and we know what those are. Right. So it's something that you can consider now. And if you can create the time and space to consider those things, you might begin to redirect your actions. And the issue can be that when you're on a path, it can feel like railroad tracks and you can't get off. And that's where that little bit of space is so important. And I, you know, I think everyone that I know that is creating their life consciously and on purpose and forging their own path. It is exactly like the Indiana Jones analogy, or it's like an analogy of a dark forest. We live in such a mystical universe. You know, we only know a tiny bit of a tiny bit, and I'm not a university professor, so you can tell me if this is true, but the smartest people, they know that they only know a tiny bit because this is such a fascinating, mysterious place. But one of the few things we can know is our intentions, 
And if we're moving in alignment and congruence with who we truly are, we can know that for sure. Then we're navigating this mystery in a totally new and exciting way. And the people that I know doing this, it is like this, you're in this mysterious forest and you only get one step and you're like, oh my goodness, this is it. And you're like, I got to take this next step. And it's every single time there is no guarantee. And it doesn't matter how successful you get in the material realm. If you live this way, you're always one step away from losing it all. And that is okay with you because you got there by doing the exact same thing. And so I know friends who are very financially wealthy and, you know, as they go that next step where they're asked and called to go to the next level, they almost have to risk it all. There's no easy way. I don't know anybody doing it authentically. That's like, this was guaranteed and super easy. And I just had to do this. You know, they've risked everything, whether it was the inner world of coming out in some sort of way and, you know, exposing yourself or whether it was your business or whatever the case is that it was very risky and very scary. And that's how, you know, you're on the path. So nobody gets a free pass is basically what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And the question I wanted to ask you is, you, you say, share something in your book, which I love, is you say navigating from a place of wholeness. And when I'm teaching, I use that expression quite a bit. There's a, a affirmation that says um, something about being whole, happy, harmonious, and full of self-love. And mm-hmm. I say, if you can pursue your dreams in that state, or what I'm doing as an athlete and helping people with sports performance, you know, if you can pursue being the best athlete possible from a state of wholeness, completion, full of self-love and worth, then you're really navigating this experience with power. Because if you're waiting for that achievement or that book or that thing, then you're not worthy then which is a ridiculous thing because if you look at kids, you know, are they worthy when they're stop pooping their pants? Are they worthy when they can ride their first bike? Are they worthy when they get the first (laughs) job? Are they worthy when they graduate university? Are they worthy when they get their first salaried $100,000 job? Are they worthy when they retire with multiple businesses and yachts? It's just absurd when you Mm -hmm. kind of break it down, but there's somewhere in our twenties and thirties where we believe we're supposed to be whole and it's done. You know what I mean? But really we're just, we're children in the eyes of the universe and the eyes of God in this, in this mystery, there's way too much to know. So if we can navigate it from that spirit of wholeness and completion, and I think we're going to be doing a little bit better job, or we might be a little bit more comfortable navigating it versus some other perspectives. Well, and, and for me, that wholeness is an integration of all that makes us human, right? So it's, it's the logical brain. It's the the emotions. It's the feeling self. I'm very physical, right? You are too. You're an athlete. Like, I don't know how people move through the world without physicality because that's such a touchstone for me. And, and having that physicality helps me integrate my body and my mind. I'm not walking around as a truncated head. I'm super aware of my extremities because I love to cycle and I need those extremities to move a certain way to push me up a, up a hill or, or I love to row because I can just close my eyes and my whole body is feeling the repetitive motion of it. And it helps pull that body and mind connection and smash it together. They're inextricably linked. And I think part of our social training is ignoring the body, you know, Think about when you're a baby, you're just, well, you can't remember, but you have a child, or if you have a child, you know, they're just eating, sleeping, pooping, and 
bonding with mom and dad or whomever is their love caregiver, they're listening entirely to their bodies, right? I'm too hot. I'm going to cry and get my need met. I'm hungry. I'm going to cry and get my need met. Somehow we forget about that complete integration with our bodies as we get older. I don't know who's telling us that societies that our parents, um, you know, sit still, look a certain way, wear a certain clothing, you know, whatever. We're told all these things that start to disconnect that. So when I talk about wholeness, I'm talking about integrating every possible way to collect data about your surroundings and use that in congruence with this beautiful unknown spirit that resides within all of us. And, and you mentioned something earlier I wanted to go back to that people lose that spirit. They lose that spark. And in my way of viewing the world, you cannot possibly lose it, but you can junk it up with a lot of beliefs and a lot of stories and a lot of, I got to get that car or whatever. And then, then you have a little more excavation to do, to get rid of the stuff that's piled on and, and, um, is, is blocking it. And, and I was also going to say something you said about the, going back to the idea of trust and not knowing and, and, and being willing to be, go toward the fear. There is something so difficult about that. And it's this fine line. I do not want to test God or the universe. I don't, I don't want to quit my job and get rid of everything and go sit in the middle of the field and say, okay, provide for me universe. That doesn't feel right to me. And right? I don't want to test the universe. At the same time, I want to make sure that I am in alignment with, with, what, I, with what I need to be doing. And trusting the universe means having a view, ha- having recognition when all your needs are met. So a lot of the time we think, okay, well, I can't rest because I need to make a certain amount of money because my kids are going to have to go to college someday because this, because this, we're living in this future world, right? Instead of stopping and taking a breath and looking around and saying, wow, I have enough food. I have somewhere to sleep. My kids have somewhere to sleep. I am taken care of. Maybe I'm not going to the fanciest restaurants every night. Maybe I'm not buying caviar. Maybe I'm cooking my own food to feed to my children, which is better anyway. You know, I grind my own wheat. I grow my garden. I go to the farmer's market. I do all this stuff because I'm really into that, like having my own provisions. But all that to say is sometimes people have all their needs met and they they can't quite realize it. So trusting isn't as tricky as they may believe because if they look around, they can see they can already trust what they have. You don't even have to know the next step to look around and see what is happening right this minute. Well, gosh, all my needs are met right this minute. Okay, what's going to happen the next minute? Gosh, all my needs are met right this minute. So it's a matter of not projecting into the future, not projecting into the past and bringing, well, we were poor as children, so I better earn a lot of money because I don't want to be poor again. It's just, again, quieting the mind, quieting the stories, being in the now. And you'll notice you can trust because you have lots of data showing that trusting up till now has actually worked because you have all your needs met. So, so, but again, it's tricky though. I can have, I've had so many actual miracles happen in my life. Like just the other day, my mom was visiting and I went to bed and I thought to myself, you know, I'd really like to get a little wooden Tibetan style Buddha for my house. So the next day, my mom and I are on my porch and we're noticing a bunch of people are kind of stopping 
by the neighbor's yard looking at something. And I said, I'm going to go see what everyone's looking at. So I go down there and there's a bag in front of my neighbor's fence that says free. What's inside the free bag? A little wooden Buddha in the Thai style that is now sitting on my my porch where I wanted to have Buddha. So just, I have lots of stories like that. We are provided for in ways that seem magical. And I have these quote unquote magical experiences. I could share more of them, but also just in ways that are practical. And so when we collect data and write down all the ways in which we are provided for, it helps us to trust when we're taking those steps into the unknown, right? And I don't care how many miracles you have, it still is hard to trust the next time when it's big. And I empathize with everyone struggling with that issue of trust. I have so many examples, millions of them of how trusting worked out perfectly well. And I still have to take a deep breath and remember I am cared for. I can trust. I can take that next step. And and it's just, sometimes it's just a moment by moment recognition that you just have to do it over and over and over. And I promise it does get easier, but I also want to empathize with everyone out there who still finds it hard because that's just somehow we're put on this planet, not knowing we are God and our whole existence then is to find our way back to knowing we are God and I feel like some days it ta- I have to remind myself a million and seven times. And some days it's just seven. <laughs> and so, and I, there's no um, there's no mistake. There's just, okay, I, I have to remember again that I can trust. Okay, wait, I have to remember again that I can trust. And um, I kind of love the not knowing. Don't you love it? I mean, that's part of why I love ecology is it's not a hard science. You're gathering data to support a theory about how nature works, right? You can't be right or wrong, right? You're just gathering data to support an idea of how nature might work. And then maybe someone comes along that collects different data that shows you were wrong. That's awesome. I love the not knowing. There's so much peace and freedom in not knowing because you could be right. You could be wrong. There's no, to me, that's where I I love that part of the living is the not knowing. Granted, I have my needs met. I'm in a place of privilege. I'm not wanting for anything. So I can be comfortable in the not knowing because I know that I'm pretty certain that my son's going to have food tonight because I have enough food in the house to feed us. Does that make sense? So I want to also recognize that it's this lovely luxury and privilege to have that comfort with not knowing because my basic needs really are met, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you you brought up a great point where it's understanding it's a practice, right? It's not that mm-hmm. you just do it once and and yes. I have that too. It's it's a continued practice day in and day out, day in and day out. And that's maybe why they call it spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. And it's also why it's a choice because yes. you have to continue choosing it again and again and again. And the masters are just better at choosing it and doing it with faith and expectation And on the flip side, when we're talking about basically the idea of having enough forever and the perfect ideal of our mind, we want the house and the cars and the security and the bank accounts. And I've talked to enough very wealthy people who have said you could have it all and still your mindset stays the same. There's no amount of, you know, I like the uh, analogy of squirrels, you know, collecting, you know, chestnuts or something or whatever they're doing, right? There's no amount that 
that takes that idea away, or you can be the person that's content. And if you're alive your entire life, you know, you have been, you might've had some trauma and some tough times. However, you know, if you've got clothing and food and a roof over your head and a loving family, you have a lot to be grateful for. And it's those who have found that contentment and that gratitude for whatever they had. That's how they can move forward with more fulfillment. Because if you have to change anything, if you need uh, better food, if you need better house, if you need more knowledge, if you need a degree, if you need a partner, if you need something else, no matter what it is, anything at all, then you haven't really engaged with the idea of true contentment with whatever you have, because it will always change to something else. Once you get that one thing you said, it will be something else. The next Mm -hmm. thing, it will be something else because it's, it's a mindset issue. It's not, uh, uh, an outer world issue. And those I've, I've spoken to a lot of people have kind of lost everything. And that's how they found the mindset is by losing absolutely everything. Like, oh man, I'm so grateful for the simple things now. And they continue with that gratitude as they get the luxury of having more. And we may know someone or have seen those stories where people have had everything, but they feel empty because materialism by itself really doesn't bring fulfillment. It's the appreciation of all of those things and the evolution of who you truly are and and having more, you know, fulfillment and fun and enjoyment with your friends. Then you're like, yes, I'm so grateful for this. And I was grateful before. And I'll be grateful if I lose everything again for the things that I have, because that's the mindset that I carry forward. And I'm curious if you want to mm-hmm. comment on that, but I'd also love for you to touch on what you write out right in the book is the the role of the ego. How do you perceive the ego and how do we mm-hmm. know the difference between that that little voice, that ego that's not really our true selves? And that might steer us in the wrong uh, direction in our true authentic voice. Yeah. So a couple of things, first of all, the, um, well, let's talk about the ego. I love the ego because the ego, again, is your guidepost. It's your little um, signal that something's off, right? So the ego, I heard it described once as a resistance to what is. That's the ego. It's resisting what actually is. You want it to be different. You want whatever it is to be different because maybe you're afraid that your inadequacies, your perceived inadequacies are going to be exposed. So you're stuck in the inadequacy groove and you believe you're inadequate. So you're doing all of these tap dances and all of these things to push attention away from anyone discovering your perceived inadequacies. Your ego is resisting what is, and it's terrified that everyone's going to discover that you're completely inadequate. Even though it's not true, you're probably perfectly adequate, but you have a story that you're not. And so your ego drives you to do things that aren't in alignment with the best and highest good or not in alignment with your truest self because you think you have to protect your ego. You think you have to protect this this frightened, fearful being that could be exposed. And that's what you said when people lose everything, that's when they realize, oh, my ego isn't a real thing because I lost everything and I'm still here. 
I'm still a loving, alive human without any of the things I thought would be required to protect that ego, right? And then you can finally relax and let it go. You're not resisting what is anymore. You have nothing. You can't resist. You have nothing. You're back. You're down to nothing. So, so to me, ego is that resistance to what is, and it's, it's, it's the keeper of our stories, right? It's, it's the, it's this beloved part of us that was created probably to protect us. And there are evolutionary reasons why it could be great to have an outsized ego if you're being chased by a giant predator on the savannah, you know, your ego is going to do what it can to survive, right? We aren't chased by giant lions, most of us, hopefully anyway, anymore, but we still have these egos that create stories and try to keep us safe and make us, you know, adhere to these false stories. And and for each of the unproductive grooves, I talk about the fear motivator and I talk about the ego component just to help you recognize the falseness of those. So that's the only reason I even bring it up is to invite you to question what your ego is helping you resist. So if, if your whole family plan was to send you to medical school when you're 22 after getting a biology degree, your ego's wrapped up in that. That's your story. I'm going to be a doctor. However, there's this other part of you that really wants to study elephants and learn everything about elephants in India. Going toward the doctor choice is listening to your ego. It's resisting what is. The flow of life is calling you to the elephants in India. That's what your flow is calling you to, but your ego is resisting what is because it says you have to be a doctor because your parents told you that's the way to prestige. That's the way to money. That's the way to security. That's the way to be taken seriously. So does that make sense? The ego is resisting the flow of what your life is really pulling you toward because it's create, it's the keeper of your stories, right? And when you feel bad going in the direction that your ego is pushing you toward, that's your signal. That's your ego helping you realize that that's not your aligned path. You can keep going. You can keep going on that path as long as you want. It's just going to feel worse and worse and worse until you wake up at 45 with your head fully buried in the dog shit. And then you're going to have to make some some adjustments. If you want to be in alignment, if you don't want to have to bury your sorrows in affairs or fancy cars or drugs or alcohol or whatever all of the things are that help us now cope with what we've created when we made choices in alignment with the ego and the fear rather than in alignment with the flow of your life. And that sounds so magical, but it's absolutely not magical. It's just listening to where the flow of life is pushing you and allowing allowing that to have equal voice as the ego nonsense that's resisting what is. So so that's how I view ego. It's a great tool. Don't try to squash your ego. You'll never succeed. It's totally fine to have that ego riding around with you. You just treat it like a friend. 
that is giving you signals and you love it and you keep moving toward what is supposed to be the flow of your life, not with that little ego is trying to <laughs> trying to make you believe and trying to trick you with. And it, I always say this because all of it is perfect, Matt. All of it is perfect, right? It seems ridiculous. My sweetheart, Stan, was in a big car accident a month ago. Someone ran into him on the freeway and he's like, is that perfect? And I'm like, well, in my experience, it happened. So there has to be something in there for us, for you, for whatever. There has to be something in there that means something important for the continuing of your life. It's perfect because otherwise it wouldn't have happened, right? So same with ego. If someone's on the wrong path, I'm not going to say that's a mistake. Maybe they need to be on the wrong path for 25 years. So then when they are 45, they can wake the fuck up, right? So maybe they would never have woken up to what is real if they hadn't been on the wrong path for 25 years. So how can that be a mistake, right? To me, it just all is this perfect um, mix of exactly whatever we need to experience so we can get to the next right thing, the next right thing, moment by moment by moment. Um, yeah, that's kind of a long tangent, but that's how I view view our, our egos, our beloved egos. It's just a matter of questioning them. If you can question your ego even just one time a day, you're ahead of the game. Yeah. I loved all that. I think that's a very beautiful example of the ego. And you brought up the idea you know, I think with your, your sweetheart's accident, it's the Zen idea of complete acceptance to anything that happens, because Mm -hmm. if you resist it, you create disharmony within the body because you don't want it to be the way it is. And so you might not like it at that time. uh, And you might not have to celebrate it and say, Oh, this is perfect and magical. It's just, you know, this is what (laughs) happened will remain neutral with it. Right. And it's also another Zen concept of not being good or bad. It just is what it is. And so it can be very challenging to choose that perspective. And again, it's a choice, right? Especially when things are hard, it's to choose it. And that's a yeah. very, that's a choice and it's very challenging and it's not easy when things are negative. It's easy when like, it's something good. Oh, you won, you know, the lottery, 50,000 bucks. You're like, woohoo, you know, you're all stoked and you're choosing, you know, it's like happiness is just, but it is what it is, right? It's remaining neutral to everything that happens in life. And then understanding your choice and your free will comes from how you respond to it because otherwise you might make meaning, right? Like, oh, I got in a car accident, so I'm unlucky or life is bad or everything is out to get to me. Now you've added a story to something that is not true rather than accepting just what it is and remaining neutral and, and that's yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I absolutely, I love that. Well, and, and going back to like things are good or bad or not good or bad or acceptance. I love how Byron Katie says it. So Byron Katie's a woman who I don't really know a whole lot about her. I, I only discovered her like a couple months ago, but she has this thing called the work and she invites you to question your thoughts. And one of the things she says is there's my business your business and God's business. We and her, and her interpretation of God is whatever you want it to be, right? And and I, I love that because I know what happens to me. I know my experience, but I could not possibly try to even go and explain what Matt's experience is. And I have no idea what God's business is. That is way above 
my pay grade, right? So how am I to say something's good or bad when I am only experiencing the tiniest fraction of the picture, right? We don't know what quote unquote God's business is. We don't know why we experience the loss of a limb or like when I, I got in a terrible bicycle accident and I had like 45 stitches in this part of my face, my face was all completely ripped to shreds. I have no idea why that happened. That could have been bad, but actually it was an amazing experience for many different reasons. I would never trade that experience. And, and I've had lots of things happen that would be viewed as quote unquote bad, but every single one has had something come out of it that was so incredibly beautifully perfect that I would never even trade the experiences, right? And so that's the piece of God's business that we don't know. So how, who am I to question whether something happened to me is good or bad, or whether you should be doing something or not? That's your business. My business is this tiny speck on you know this greater, larger, huger thing. And then there's God's business, which I have absolutely no idea. I just trust that there's a huge part of the picture that I'm always missing, and I always will miss it. And so all I can do is just trust that something bigger than me knows the picture. And I can just keep doing my tiny piece of speck in in this giant, larger picture. And there's so much calm in that, right? There's so much calm and contentment and ease in simply accepting that you are one part of the flow of this larger thing. And I'm going to say one more thing that I I feel like I have to say I recognize that there's something about my brain chemistry or my experience with spirituality or whatever it is that makes me naturally inclined toward this. And I don't know what that is. All I know is it's out of my hands. I cannot take credit for any of the way I view the world. I really cannot. And so I recognize that as a gift. And so if I'm speaking and it's sounding hopeless or you have a brain chemistry or something is in your brain that is, you're wired a different way than this, just know that I just, I just want to say that I, I recognize that I have this and it's not of my doing. And so um, I guess that's a place of privilege. And I know there are a lot of people who struggle with all sorts of things that make it more difficult for them to have a quote unquote positive outlook or to accept these things. They're more entrenched in their stories. And I just want to empathize with wherever anyone is on their path and just to trust that you are it's you are in exactly the right place. If you are happening to hear this or watch this, you're meant to hear these words and you can escape your unproductive grooves. Otherwise you wouldn't be hearing these invitations, right? So I just want to encourage people if they think, God, this woman is just way too positive and happy. What the hell? This is never going to be me. Just know if you happen to hear this, then you are meant to be more free and more authentic because otherwise you wouldn't be hearing these invitations. God wouldn't have put you in, in the community with Matt and I on this day. So I just want to speak to those people who have struggles with this, that trust that you are in the right place and you are doing the right things and hearing this and making these little steps 
it's exactly perfect. You're doing the right thing. You're absolutely doing the right thing. I just want to encourage everyone, even if they feel like they're nowhere near having even one mystical experience, who cares? You're doing it right. You're you're absolutely doing it right. Mystical experiences are the most fun an ego can have while we're on the planet. That's um, another quote from a Zen um, practitioner who I love, Adi Ashanti. And it's, it's really, these mystical experiences are the most fun you can have as an ego. But that's not it. That's not authenticity. That's it. Those are just these lovely gifts we get to help encourage us as we're moving on our path, right? Um, you don't have to have those deep spiritual experiences to just quiet your mind and do the next right thing and choose it. I love how you keep bringing it back to choice, Matt, because it is. It's a choice every freaking second of every single day. Am I going to listen to my intuition or am I going to get lost in my stories? And um, that was kind of a long, <laughs> long go go there, but um, hopefully you have something to respond to that with. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I think it's important to let people know that because even if people listen to this podcast and, and may have the idea that my life is, is easy, I, I feel like I, in the podcast, tell people that it's not. And I have days where I'm almost pretty much every day I'm angry. I sometimes I haven't done it in a while, but I've done like face down on my kitchen floor and I'm just lying on the floor being like, what am I doing? Like, I have no idea what is going on. Everything is so hard. I hate everything. And I'm super grumpy and I am yeah. still all of those things. Yes. And the podcast is one of the tools where I'm constantly in a reminder field from my guests and I'm learning from them and I'm, and I'm trying to choose the right thing. I'm trying to choose. God. I'm trying to choose doing work of meaning. I'm trying to choose to follow my own heart and intuition. I'm trying to read the, you know, the tea leaves of my messages from myself and my creator, my life experience and navigate all the challenges. So it's not easy at all. And mm -hmm. there's beautiful moments and there's everything in between. But like you said, not everyone unfortunately has a super positive mindset. M many people really have a ton of challenges. And I think that's more common and that's okay. And hopefully these frameworks and these perspectives can be helpful as you go through those times, because there's also beautiful times. There's also contentment available. There's also learning and growth available. There's also happiness available. And one of the ideas I don't think gets talked about enough. And this one I learned from David Lone Bear was just the idea of contentment just being mm -hmm. content with what you have as it is. Don't try to change anything. Find the contentment. And then we always speak about gratitude, but find a hundred percent contentment where you are. Cause if you can do that, you can do it the entire process. And like I shared before, if there's one thing out of place, then it doesn't matter what that is. It will change and morph over time into anything else. And so just learning. And if you're not new to it, if you're new to these ideas, it's going to take some time. And you'll mm -hmm. get better at it, right? If you hate yes. everything and you're grumpy all the time and you start to choose something else, you'll be great. You know, if it's 90% grumpiness, 10% happiness, maybe in two weeks, it's 88% grumpiness, 12% <laughs> yes. happiness, right? And so I, I, it's all, mm -hmm. I wonder where I'd be if I didn't have this work. I, maybe I'd even be better. I don't know. Um, but maybe this work keeps me 50-50, like, okay, I'm optimistic and 50, like, why are people doing stupid shit pissing me off? And I'm stupid, <laughs> yeah. and why is it so mother effing hard? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yeah, it's a process. I have heard you talk about your anger. <laughs> um, before, and I have to tell you every, the handful of times I've heard you mention it in previous episodes is I feel so much love for you and your anger 
And the reason I do is what, so I told you that story about how I met my former spouse and we knew we were supposed to get married, right? And then what I didn't say is for the next two or three years, it was miserable. We, I have never fought or been more pissed off or (laughs) felt someone be more angry at me in those first, like maybe year and a half of relating and it got so, and and the whole time my guidance is just screaming, you have to keep going. When my logic was like, get the fuck out of here, right? But it was screaming, keep going. And that anger that we experienced was the beautiful catalyst that finally propelled us into therapy with this beautiful Zen experiential therapist woman in Santa Cruz. It was perfect for this. Santa Cruz is full of this awesome hippie vibe of wonderfulness. And we found this woman, she transformed us. And so, and and we were, went to therapy with her for at least two years. We stopped um, because I was in the early stages of, of having our baby. I was pregnant and I was feeling too sick and we stopped going, but that was a natural ending. But anyway, all that to say the anger and uh, that came up with our uniting, who knows if it was past lives. I mean, we've had, he and I have had past life stuff that was so weird, but who knows what it was. But that anger was this beautiful catalyst to massive work and growth and healing. So don't shame your anger. It's showing up for whatever reason. And it's it's part of you. It's part of your guidance. It's part of your helping you find your way. And I've told my former husband, if we didn't go through that hell, we would never be like, we divorced when my son was seven and we are loving, intensely familial co-parents and if we hadn't gone through all that and done the therapy and really got to the heart of where our where all that crap came from, we would never have gotten to this beautiful state of relating that is magic. It's wonderful. You know, he, we're just not meant to be married, but we had to sort of go through that. So I just want to honor your anger and say it's serving you somehow, Right. And you might, you, you don't know God's business. You don't know what the big story is. But um, every time I've heard you say it, I just feel this huge surge of love because I recognize how anger played a huge role in transforming my experience with, with Christian, my former, my former spouse. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And luckily, you know, when the anger it's, it's usually blips of anger, you know, it's not like I don't, I don't stay in it, but yeah. Oh yeah. I can be, I can be angry and grumpy. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, the thing that pisses me off the most is people hurting other people and doing it on, you know, just, and I ask guests this all the time, like, what's the reason for all this horror and sadness? And, you know, I worked on human trafficking and some stuff like that. I was like, what in the mother F is going on here? It really pisses me off. So mm-hmm. I try not to stay in it. But what I found over time, at least my thought is that if we we have things that bug us, work work 10 times harder on the solution, right? So in the world, if you see things that are mm-hmm. a challenge to you, work to build that solution. So if I see, you know, kids and I would like to improve their education and their uh, self-mastery, right? I can, you know, work harder on Zen Athlete. I can work harder on coaching. I can work harder on the podcast and I'm working fully on the solution. I'm not living in the anger and frustration of the thing that bothers me within the world. And I feel like that's what many of us were put here to do is like, look at this world. There's a lot that uh, is, I like the idea. Um, I've been sharing this lately. I, I haven't done mushrooms in a long time, but I ended up doing some on my birthday. it been like five years. And one yeah. of the ideas was, you know, 
the idea of like heaven on earth or God, or, and I've heard in different spiritual teachings, well, heaven is here now and hell is here now. It's in the same realm right here, right now. And I thought that was fascinating. And with some of the frustrating stuff that I study and look into, I had the idea that if I can just hold within me the idea of the kingdom of heaven, so whatever, mm-hmm. what does my peanut brain think that is? It's kindness, it's compassion, it's community, it's everybody having enough, it's a peaceful communications, it's all these things. And I look yeah. out in the world and it is not that thing. However, if I'm put here, I can hold that and I can do that little tiny thing. I can't change the whole thing. If you give me the button to push, I'll push that sucker and I'll fight through a whole bunch of people to get to push it. You know, however, if that's maybe that's all I'm supposed to do and all I can do. And I feel like some people put the whole weight of the world on their shoulders and that's not very helpful. It's doing your little piece. And I don't think life has to be so serious. I think it can be this combination of purpose and also enjoying the mystery, enjoying the beauty, engaging in the gift of life, because so much of what's put in front of us is really unnatural. And we have to keep letting that go and letting that go because there's people like, I don't know, like the Amish that uh, have a very simple life, right? But to me, a farmer now in the Amish, I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. You know, they're just, they get up, they're, they're waking up with the sun. They know how to farm. They know where their food comes from. They're not on electronics. That's a whole bunch of dead time. Now, most of us in a, in a, society where we have all these amenities aren't going to live that way. However, I do see the beauty in that simplicity and I see the gift in that simplicity. And so, um, yeah, so it's just something to consider because some of the evils of the world can be pretty, uh, challenging and and very disheartening. Yeah. And I just want to, I have to follow that up with, um, that's the question, right? Why is there suffering? Why is there suffering? And all I keep coming back to is that's God's business. It is not my business. And and I can't, so I just finished today. I taught my last lecture for marine conservation biology for the quarter. And that class can be a, a kind of a litany of doom and gloom, right? So we finished climate change today and <laughs> we moved on to some other things. But But I tell them, you can't solve this. All you can do is just exactly what you said, Matt, your personal next right thing. And if the the view of the kingdom of heaven for you is this kindness, this, love this expansiveness. And that's what it is for me. Be that. That's all you can do is be that. So when I teach, I ask, okay, I spirit, you talk through me for, we're going to talk about Marine Com Bio, or we're going to talk about evolution or whatever, but really the words that are coming out of my mouth aren't what matter. What matters is I just want to beam love at my students for 80 minutes, right? And help them get in touch with that part that knows that they don't have to solve all the problems. They don't have to accept the false obligation of solving the world's problems. All they have to do is be their most authentic self. And that is going to do so much to solve the world's problems. If every single human alive could follow their own guidance groove and not the stories, we wouldn't have human trafficking. We wouldn't have people over-consuming. We wouldn't have people beating their dogs or all of the things that seem quote-unquote bad because people would be in alignment with what's true for them. They wouldn't be resisting what is. And we could have that. And and you can't do that for anyone else. All you can do it is for your own personal self. How can I personally be 1% more in alignment with what's true? That's going to solve the world's problems. 
that's going to solve and and ameliorate the hurts and the pain. And then if someone crosses your path who has experienced extreme trauma or extreme pain, you're living your authentic self as a beacon of love and goodness for that person. And maybe then they can have inspiration to, to go back and explore their trauma and let it go and be their own beacon of goodness and light, right? That's all you can do is be your most authentic beacon of light so that if anyone crosses your path, they might recognize that in themselves and then choose the the alignment that's going to make them a beacon. Even if they were horribly traumatized as a child or whatever, maybe your spark of amazing goodness that you put out on this fucking amazing podcast all the time, maybe that is going to be enough to switch the spark on in someone else for just one minute. Then maybe it's 10 minutes, you know, and that changes the world, right? And you have so much agency when it's just you doing your own authentic alignment, living in the glow of the beauty that is you, that that you, anyone can do that. That is not going out and solving all the world's problems. That's simply turning inward and quieting the mind. Everyone can do that, <laughs> right? And then you're changing the world. You're changing the world. And also don't use plastic straws, <laughs> just like something <laughs> tiny or drive one time, you know, eat meat less once a week or something. There's also practical things you can do, but the best thing you can do for everyone and the whole planet and, and, and your own self is just allow yourself to be in alignment with your own personal guidance. And then you're just creating more beacons of love and light that you're just, you're just a walking beacon of love and light. And then who knows who you'll get to inspire as you just live your life. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, and when we talk about changing the world with what you just shared there, I've had the idea recently that when you, you change the world, you change your world, you literally yeah. change the world because it's yours. So you've changed the world. And if you can affect one yeah. other person positively, just one, you've changed the world because you've changed their entire world. And that's beautiful. And maybe your whole purpose on life was just to change one person's world at one time. And that was enough um, mm-hmm. because I think you're born enough. You're born worthy. Yes. That's a, it's a wild mystery. So, well, mm-hmm. we've been going for a bit. This has been a beautiful show. I appreciate you coming on and sharing everything that you did. Oh. Is there anything that you wish I'd asked or you'd want to talk about before we close the show and where can people find you if they want to uh, get your book, right. they want to learn more. Yeah. Um, right. So I always forget about this part. So, right. So um, the guidance groove, so guidancegroove.com is our website or my website. Um, you can find out all about the book there. You can buy it on Amazon or wherever you can buy a book. And um, it's nothing new. These are concepts, again, that are ancient and universal. It's just told through the lens of me, Carolyn. And so if if what we spoke about today resonates with you and you want to go a little further, by all means, get the book. And then I just want to acknowledge you, Matt, because I I love what you're putting into the world. I love the openness with which you treat your your people who come on your show. You're so open and that's so unique and so lovely and such a fun thing to experience. So thank you for that beautiful open vessel that you're you're bringing to so many people and um I really appreciate you having me here today. It's been really fun. I've loved it. So thank you. Well, thank you too. Well, this has been a real pleasure. Um, thanks for the work you're doing. And I invite everybody to go check out your work, uh, check out your book, because it's an important thing for us to mm-hmm. learn to listen to that intuitive guidance, be our own master. So this has been a treat. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming. Yes. Be your own master. All right. Thanks, Matt. 
All right. See you later. Thanks guys for watching. Bye. Peace. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely incredible Dr. Carolyn Curley. I hope that you enjoyed that episode, that you received valuable information and tools that you can apply to your life right now. If you want to support this effort and this work, please share this episode on any social media platform as far and as wide as you can. Consider leaving a review for us on iTunes or become a member at mattbelair.com. You can do so for free or by donation if you want to support this show and the work. It is sincerely appreciated and three kind acts are the best way that you can support the show. So thank you guys so much for doing this. I appreciate you being here and uh, let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this show wherever you are in the world to stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell muscle and fiber of your being with joy peace contentment faith courage inspiration power and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in the next episode